Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. Almost Halloween. Oh my God. Yay. <laughs> the fall is here in such a big way. It is. It's, it feels like it's hit very hard this year. The same way like yes. Europe hit hard in the summer. Yes. It's like fall is upon us. I have to say I'm in incredible spirits. I'm coming to you feeling just amazing. In part because I woke up at 6 a.m. today. Yeah, you text me early. That's earlier than you usually I text. went to the gym straight away, which wow. I never do. But I just had to because there was too much to get done today. Yeah. And... I feel just, I feel seasonal hope. And I know this is usually when a lot of people's seasonal depression hits. Yeah. But I feel like the opposite has happened for me. Well, I feel like in Los Angeles, it's difficult to go full bore with seasonal depression. Like we're not really justified in having it in any way. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree. But but no, it is. Yeah, it's such a nice, any kind of minute shift in the seasons is like cause to celebrate here. Yes. And that's really what we're in right now. It does feel like a little shift. The, also, I do feel like my street, the tr- trees are all changing. You have a beautiful street. And you live I, in like a Hansel and Gretel building, which I, we've never talked about. That's true. No, I I do not for a second take for granted my street. And I have been walking Holly on like these like very long, very luxurious walks in the morning and truly just being like, oh, wow, like the little trees falling. And it's actually chilly when I walk her in the morning. So I think that's why it feels very much like fall. It is 80 degrees outside right no, now. No, today is yeah, we can insane. Say, yeah, it's yeah. silly for us to be talking like <laughs> this, but I have felt the crispness of the morning, and I think that's what set me off on such such the right foot. Oh, good. How about you? There's been a lot of uncertainty at the moment, so it's like good to be on oh, the right yeah. foot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel it. I feel clarity. Do you? Yeah, I do. Do you feel clarity? I feel like you don't. Oh, no, I, I do. You don't, though. You've I've- got a lot up in the air. Oh, I know, but I am clear on what I want. No, like the house, the moving, like where you might want to live. You're not clear on that. Oh, I'm not clear on the actions. I'm clear on like what I care about and what how I want to feel. I'm clear oh. on like, do you know when you're like, it's not, the point is not having everything figured out because that's actually impossible in modern day life. Mm-hmm. Like there's no, like the five-year plan is a silly idea. A five-year plan oh, yeah, as insane. if, as if any of those years are going to go as you plan. Yeah. But I think what I'm feeling is the sense of, it's not about predicting what will transpire. It's that just that I feel like very clear on what I want and what matters to me. And yeah. so in that way, it feels like you can't really pick wrong. You're rooted in like an emotional truth. Yes. Yeah, that's what it is. Like grounded, which totally. I haven't felt in so long, which leads me to my inspiration. Yeah, what is your inspiration? I think a part of this feeling is because I haven't been traveling. Oh, yep. We yep. talk, you know. Yep, yep. There are articles written about it. Travel fun so fun <laughs> one of life's great joys i think, a hobby for many i think i had too much fun this summer yeah that's how it feels and i i've honestly i've only been home for a couple of weeks but it's the being home for a couple of weeks and looking ahead and seeing only being home for the next couple of weeks that's crazy i think that's what's grounded me because it feels like okay you're not floating through air right now your your feet are on the ground you're walking you're seeing the trees change and like, it's all fine. You're going to be totally fine. I mean, I've realized that travel uproots me. And like, I, it's not even that I'm such a routine person, 
but it feels like my life pauses when I go on trips. It does. And like in the lead up in the following is a weird limbo as well. Like I think that's often undiscussed is like the whole 10, seven to 10 business days before a trip. You're really not there. No, you're preparing. Yeah. You're jamming things in before you leave. And then when you come home, you're recovering and trying to get back on track. Yeah. And I've been in a perpetual state of both of those things of preparing and recovering and in the middle traveling and then preparing and then traveling and then recovering again. Yeah, I relate. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. to say this to you, it feels like a slap in the face. <laughs> no, no. I had a moment very similar to what you're referring to. Like I was in Vegas this summer and it was the Saturday night about weekend away and we were out at some club, whatever, two terrible DJs were playing. <laughs> um, the type of DJ that would like mix Neo closer with Andre Pacelli time to say goodbye. Oh, and you're like, what whoa. is happening? You Where know? they're like, I'm reinventing the wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, and then they're just like, wah, 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 wah. No. <laughs> like the air horn is like going off and they're like, let's fucking go Vegas. But um, I had a real come to, I think probably during one of those mixes, when I realized just how much travel I was staring down for the foreseeable, truly for the next six months, I almost had a panic attack. I oh, think I, I believe it. I came back to, from Vegas. Your bachelorette party was in Tahoe. So it was an eight hour drive. It was like a, like a, a substantial travel to get there and then went straight to the East Coast, came back couple weeks later, went back to the East Coast. In between, I was going to just weekend trip, San Diego, whatever. And then... Yeah, you even had the weekends. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that... It was like, okay, but when you're home, at least you're just recovering. Totally. It's like, and now I'm off again. Yep, yep. And then, yeah, and then drove my parents down the PCH and then was like with my parents. And now I am going to Mexico for like two weeks for two weddings. So the main component to it is truly guilt. Like I feel an insane amount of parental guilt with, when it comes to the cats. Aww. It's really intense. And it's been heightened by the fact that Dimitri's been having all these issues really. Like he's been crying a lot. He's like been going outside the litter box. Dimitri is our little Ukrainian refugee cat. And, An angel. But yeah, it's like that kind of stuff when you know like he's – he's coming back and he's being more normal because you're around more and everything's more steady and stable. And then you have to like uproot again. And then I'm, I may be going back to New Zealand, like in a few weeks after Mexico for a good three oh my weeks. God, a few weeks. Right. It's so glamorous. And it's so like, there are no experiences like it, like traveling, like your, your life moves so much slower than if you are in routine Yeah, and you just realize that you've aged eight months without even noticing travel breaks that up. Like it gives you that reflection, you know, the memories last a lifetime and there's all this oh kind of, all God. these components, but yeah, it does feel so strange when you're constantly on the road. And I think of people on tour and I'm like, I don't know how you guys do it. I, I really don't. And then there are also people who are so inspired by, it. I had this amazing interview with Tori Amos. She only can write when she's traveling. She needs to be away from home. Nothing gets created Whoa. at home. She's like, I need to be somewhere completely different and be um, basically like in a new environment that has me heightened. Like mm. all my senses are heightened because nothing is just, you know, the day-to-day -day that you ignore a lot of the wonder in your life. And so all of her work is written on the road. She wow. goes somewhere else to write it. I mean, speaking of also this past month, I don't even think I've shared this with you. I was invited to Sicily, Champagne and London on oh three God. separate trips Stop. all in October. And I obviously couldn't attend, but 
It's just picked up in a, in a huge way. And it reminds me of five years ago being a broke 23-year-old and like living off these trips. Like it really like transports me back to that time when I would not have $70 in my account and the incidental fee at the hotel was like $70. And I would be like, oh my God, all I have is this debit card and I hope it goes through. Like it's so yeah. weird to be in that mindset. And that was the last time, I think that was 2019, that was the last time when travel was at the same pace yeah. as it is for me now. It's I think that. it's only come back this year. I don't think that travel was happening like this in 2022. Mm-hmm. 2021, absolutely not. I think this is the the year that travel returned. For so sure. I think that's why we're feeling. I was invited to Israel, flight leaving that night. What? Yeah. And another friend of mine was like, hey, I was supposed to go on this press trip to Tel Aviv. I can't go anymore. Can you go? The flight is in a couple hours tonight. Whoa. And I was like... I- Absolutely not. I'm so sorry. Yeah, totally. I cannot. I cannot go. We forget. Like, but the press game is made for like 22 year old women. Yeah. And then I think like publicists get upset when these girls go on trips and get too drunk and like sleep with the chef. And it's like, well, this is kind of the way the game goes. It's a young woman's game. Oh my gosh. I went on a press trip recently to Toronto and all the publicists there were very open about horror stories that they've had with journalists. Uh. And I shared a few of my own. And I have had, in, in comparison, some crazy experiences on press trips where young journalist women have just gone nuts. Yeah. Or like the publicists have gone nuts. I don't know if I ever told you my Abu Dhabi story. Oh, <laughs> an iconic tale. An iconic tale where a publicist just got took us out to the club, got wasted, disappeared for hours on end. The club owner approached me and said, I think your friend is throwing up in the bathroom. She was. I took her car keys because she had driven us. Oh, there's a there's a rule, by the way, in the UAE that if you are in the backseat of a car where someone's driving drunk, everyone goes to prison. And Lord knows it's not easy to get out of prison no. when you are in the United Arab Emirates. So basically what transpired is this girl ended up getting fired she yelled at this journalist this kind of lovely gay man who was who was on the trip with me and both of us had hit the club together and it was just like unreal there's something that happens in these circumstances where it's free alcohol all bets are off you're completely removed from your real life and people just go nuts <laughs> of course well you're living in the lap of luxury and yes. on on instagram it looks incredible. Yeah, yeah. It looks like we are living the lives of royals. Yeah, the influencer dream, totally. But as we've learned time and time again, and as I think relates directly to our profile today, a life of glamour is not always as it seems. No. And we're going to get into that in our profile. But before we do, what's your inspiration of the week? I think, and it's very applicable to this profile, clothes. Oh. Clothes is and remains my inspiration. I know that I'm now going on the third episode <laughs> of talking about clothes and my alterations man yes it was it's been a whole saga latest update was that he gave me his number nothing transpired i want to make that clear very loving symbiotic relationship that we share i do actually want to should i buy him something or is that weird don't do that okay i think that crosses the line i was gonna buy him like a bottle of tequila or something but is that that's weird no okay yeah okay, i never think mind. that crosses the professional line and then all bets are off right okay so Clothes for me are never more important and just crucial to my overall well-being than in October. October is my birthday month and it's also Halloween. And I am also going to two weddings. So that's a big clothes event <sighs> on, both, on both occasions. But the joy I get 
from putting together an outfit. I can spend hours of playing dress up and trying to challenge myself to find unusual combinations that I've A, never worn, or B, don't traditionally fit together. That has been my entire modus operandi. I have a new dress for my birthday that's like a disco ball, which I'm very excited about. I've brought my gowns out of storage. The gowns are getting fitted to me again. There's just, there are not many things in life that bring me that same joy. And I know that that is the justification of an addict. And yet I am unashamed. I do not think that addiction should come into this (laughs) conversation because you are so good at it. It is like a calling of yours. I would say the way that you can put together an outfit, it comes naturally to you in a way that it doesn't to most. That is something that I've, I learned through you is that when you said, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to projectize my style. I'm like leaning into working out my style this year. And I was like, I thought everyone just had their style. And it's not just, you know, this is flattering or these colors go together. It's interesting choices, unexpected choices that work perfectly and make you look just more like yourself, which yeah, is I that's feel like what drives me. Yeah. Is the unexpected, unpredictable. Like it's my nightmare to show up somewhere and someone go, "Oh my god, this is what you wore January sixth at the insurrection." This <laughs> is your fork in the sink. As if, as if I'm like, I need to push my boundaries and like find new. Couple. And that doesn't mean like shopping all the time. Yeah, but finding a weird way to make something work that like shouldn't work on paper. That really, that really drives me. And your personal style is so strong. It's not that you're just doing the thing that's trendy right now. And we've known. Let me speak it out. That you've been ahead of the trends at multiple points. <laughs> the shrugs. The shrugs. The shrugs I predicted in 2020. The little satin dresses. The little like slip dresses. Yeah, the slip dresses. 2013. Uh, Slip dress and a fur coat was my absolute go-to when I was 18. So if that doesn't show you that this has always been there, that was 10 years ago, you know? Yeah, I think you had it. It was so so prioritized in my household. I grew up Mm -hmm. in a house of women and like style was just intrinsic. It was just a big part. And my mom... She talked about it the other day. She was like the biggest marital, one of the biggest marital arguments I had with dad was that we had no money. We were poor as church mice that just bought the section that he was building by hand our house on for six years. Mum was running a fruit shop at the time. She took one week maternity leave and took my sister to the fruit shop. Absolutely outrageous. But the biggest fight came from the fact that she went to a consignment store and bought like a new outfit when they had no money. And dad was like, how do you rationalize this? And she was like, I need this. And there's nothing I relate to more. Like retail therapy for me is therapy with a capital T. (laughs) Anyway, Anyway. that is my inspiration because this is going to be a big month of outfits. Yeah. (sighs) Maybe I'll take some photos. Oh, you should. I can't wait for your birthday. Big month and your Saturn return as we've now confirmed. Oh my God. Ew. (laughs) I (laughs) know. 29, 29. No, I feel like you're going into it beautifully. I think you're going to come out the other side just fine. I feel yeah. like it's either you're 29 and like everything is going wrong, which has happened to a number of my friends. It's like as they approach their 29th birthday, everything is like spinning out of control and mm. they feel terrible about themselves. And then it all gets amended, switched around, and then they get shot out the other side, a different person. Yes. Or I feel like you approach it and it's more like doubling down on the things you're already 
loving and doing and feeling about yourself. Flashes of that still come through for me, for sure. I just saw a girl turn 29 who is an editor-in-chief of a well-known magazine. Of course. And it's stuff like that you know, that does yeah. it does it does hit you mm-hmm. just when you least expect it. And you, I've gotten really good with professional comparison. I don't know where you're at right now. I I don't. You don't do well. I, you don't fare well. Oh, no, no. I don't do it. Oh, you don't do it. I just, I don't want what they have is the thing. No. And I know that I don't want what they have. Yeah. But something, it's something about bringing age into the equation. And I think. It's the nastiest. Yes. Thing. And it, I think no one is immune. It's so comparable to me of like a San Francisco summer where it's like, there's no colder winter than a San Francisco summer. There's no older young age than I think 29 no I agree there's no younger age than 30 29 is older than 30 yes it is it is it is you're the oldest you've ever been and will ever be maybe this year I can feel it it's a it's a it's one that that messes with the head it's one that messes and then you are reborn at 30 as a little baby in the womb tight tiny so young, fetus so young it's yes, unbelievable to I know. be 30 you're f- a fetus in lipstick and heels i agree strutting around yeah 21 again uh, totally i think that's what it, i think 30 is 21 i know i don't know if you just watched the kardashians but chloe talks about how <gasps> terrible her 30s were and how she's so devastated she's turning 39 this year and not 40 like she's like i've never been so ready for 40 to leave a decade oh, yeah i mean I she like, had a really tough one she did she, she really totally did but a radical perspective in a society where aging for women is just like a no-go i know no i'm excited to see all the nuances that we discover as we go i think you're about to have a absolutely beautiful year i can't wait to see i had a great year this year yeah so i oh my god yeah it's only up from here i think so i think so it's only up from here for one other woman right now i know lively blake lively is who we're talking about today and we haven't done this in a while let's kick off with how you feel i agree we haven't done this in so long so blake lively yep 2005 i'm scared (laughs) (laughs) do you know do you have any sense of how i feel yes from someone who had like a thick heavy straightened bang i think i'm starting i can i predict yeah predict my like palm reading you right now i think immense hair envy is one yes that's the first thing i was gonna say was it really yeah i was yeah Uh, that was the first yeah (laughs) and also the personality of a Serena Vander Woodson versus also a Blake Lively and who she played in every single role, Sister of the Traveling Pants, everyone. Mm-hmm. The eternal cool girl, all-American, natural tan, happy-go-lucky sunshine itself. I imagine that had a profound effect on formulating your personality. Oh, okay. Yes, okay. you're all correct. I absolutely love her. Yeah. I absolutely love her. I think that she is one of the happiest celebrities. yes. Earnest, earnestly, earnestly happy. happy, and of course, maybe she's turning it on for the cameras. We can never know what goes on behind closed doors. We never know. But my feeling is that she's one of the happiest celebrities, and I totally love her, and I am rooting for her at all times. She's also one of the few bringing it back to aging. One of the few celebrities that is actively aging, like aging in the public eye in a way, and not fighting and holding on to youth. Bodies fluctuating. Talks about eating, but not in a cool girl way. It's just like mm. I like seems to have a very healthy perspective loves to make a cupcake lord knows. i know loves baking and to go to your first point the hair envy which i can't believe you read from my palms like that yeah right there in the in i the have an essay palms. that is unplaced at this time <gasps> talking about the effect that her hair in sister of the traveling pants had on me i had a photo as inspiration saved to my laptop for a very long time yeah to be like do not cut your hair look at this photo look at this photo <laughs> be smart just yeah. make one good decision totally that movie one 
incredible film. Incredible film. Great. And pre-nose job. Yeah. So that she was more normal and accessible in that moment. I know. And she looked so cute. Okay. I have some background on that. One, she filmed that movie in between her junior and senior year of high school. What? Yeah. I just need to look it up really quickly. That makes me feel sick. The only reason that she got that... So her whole family's in the entertainment industry. She grew up in Tarzana in LA. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily her plan to be in entertainment. She wanted to go to Stanford. She wanted to be a student. She almost didn't take Gossip Girl. The only reason she took it is because they were like, baby, you can be in school part-time. We'll pro- we promise you, you can still be a student and do this show. Wow. And But that didn't end up working out and she just did the show. Do you know who else that happened to and they who? promised that to? Taylor Momsen. No Jenny way. Humphrey. She didn't want to take the show. She wanted to be a normal kid going to middle school. She was in the Grinch yeah. and like heavily, heavily bullied as like Grinch girl. Aww. And then they promised her like you will just be down here on weekends and you can go back to school during the week. Obviously the show took no. off and that was never going to happen. Yeah. So the only reason she booked Gossip Girl is because her older brother Eric had an agent and he was like, you should go on auditions and had his agent send her on like a couple. And then she booked Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Shot it that summer. crazy. She was the same age as her character. Yeah, she was. Whoa. Which sometimes that messes with me. It's like how Keira Knightley was 17 in Pirates of the Caribbean. And you're like, okay, now I'm a little bit sick. Now I'm a little bit sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's where the age, again, the the little parasite of age in the back of the head of like, well, you know, 29-year-old editor-in-chief, 17-year-old, most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. I don't think anyone should be that beautiful that time no i agree do you want to know something else i know about karen knightley is that her daughter saw pirates of the caribbean and was like that's not you that girl's so pretty and that is not you (laughs) your child it's just like take it out back i go like yeah no like you're a fuckly bitch (laughs) i don't know who this stunning (laughs) elegant woman is. that is like you're lying to me the cruel honesty of children it's like there's just nothing that will cut you down more they read you all the kids i nannied when they would look at my acne and they'd be like there's these horrible spots on your face and i would be like stop Stop. Stop. (laughs) it's like why do you see me so clearly i know my Um, god me and that like getting around the fact that it's like no one notices it's like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, people yeah. can see yeah, they're just totally. obviously not saying something because there's sure. a social contract as an adult <laughs> where you can't be like, oh, you're breaking out all over your chin. Do you tell someone when there's food in their teeth? Always. I, I really struggle to do it. I, it is so hard for me to do because I know how that moment of discomfort is going to manifest and just sink the conversation. I know, but I also think that it says something more about them than about you when they are like, now I'm so embarrassed. And it's like, I saved you embarrassment. You were going to go around and make a fool of yourself all around town today. Mm. And I told you before you did that because I care about you. But it's the retrospective embarrassment of like, I've been like, yes, that's how I feel. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Okay. How do you feel about Blake Lively? I think she's kind of a funny little goose. Yeah. I'm not quite sure I understand her. I don't think I, I can discern if she has any like real ambition I think she just is so right place, right time, goes with the flow and then just like ends up doing okay. Like, it's really funny. Like, I don't think she necessarily considers herself like a very serious actor. I don't know. I don't know her, obviously. But well, if you look at her filmography, right, it's not one that suggests like uh, an oeuvre. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, no, it's going. Sorry. I heard like a little click oh, oh, oh i that's the fbi I, <laughs> that's a, that's literally Hi. blake's publicist chiming in <laughs> listen what 
it is kind of funny, as you say. I think she's probably one of those women that's like, I've always wanted to be a mom. Like I meant to be a mom. And like career has, has always been just like a, like a, a hobby almost, like a, a background activity that has never been my main focus and priority, which I love because obviously it's very tough to avoid all encompassing, like crippling professional drive oh, that yeah. a lot of women are plagued by. So it's a, f- a refreshing perspective, I think, if that is hers. You know what I think it is? And I think this might hit the nail on the head. I think she just doesn't take herself too seriously. No, I think she doesn't care. And I yeah. think that's what it is. It's like when you're taking yourself so, so seriously, your work, a Daniel Day-Lewis type, every movie matters deeply. The choices yeah. matter. You're agonizing over them. I, I do not think that she's agonizing over the choice to be in The Shallows or The Age of Adeline. What struck me as interesting recently is, did you see the Taylor Swift receipt thing? Receipt? Yeah, well, Taylor Swift went out with a bunch of like wags because now she's obviously like a wag, a sports wag. You know what's yeah. wag? Wives and girlfriends. Oh, I've never heard You've that. You've never heard of wag? Yeah, wag. Oh, so you know, Victoria Beckham, the original wag, like oh, so on and so forth. So cool. now there are a bunch of very famous wags. Yeah. And Taylor has obviously befriended them as she does. And they went out for dinner with like 12 girls, Blake included, and... The tab came to like $4,000. Someone leaked the receipt and Blake paid. Classy girl. Mm. I don't think Blake wants to be out with these like 23-year-old, just got out of college girlfriends of football players. I didn't realize how young they were until I started looking up some ages, like honestly yesterday. (laughs) And I was like, oh, what? Oh, whoa. And fans, football fans or sports fans, feel so passionately about some of the girlfriends of players. Yeah. There's one in particular... Patrick Mahomes' yes, girlfriend. Brittany. Yeah. Brittany. Yes. I, told, I looked this up yesterday. No way. Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Like you're just in a tangent. Yeah. It must have been because I was looking at all these pictures of Blake and Taylor at the game. And then in one of them, I think Brittany was present. Yeah. So she's just like across the board disliked by fans. Really? Yeah. And there's a bunch of nuances there. Like I, Chris could give you the whole saga. I think it's just that she does not seem very cool like oh nice and brutal has like a maybe a yoko vibe oh my god in terms of like looks you know she's like a girl you would meet at the bar in san diego kind of vibe yeah is that fair to say that's fair to say totally yeah yeah i mean they date you know giselle bunchen exactly yeah famously so i think that's it's the combination of all these factors that football fans are just like well, i don't understand I, but she's also i've seen an interview with her the interview was very yeah you wanted me didn't you oh and you couldn't stay oh, away oh, it was no. like it was so interesting so anyway this is now the new click the new crew and blake lively has been roped in maybe she's just the mama of the group i wouldn't surprise me no i'm sure it's fun and Blake Lively loves fun. She's had a lot of fun. Her filmography we talked a little bit about. Randomly, her cult classic, A Simple Favor, went wild. She's always on the red carpet. Her and Ryan Reynolds, obviously. Their marriage is very famous for being so fun. They're just always poking fun at each other. They're always having a ball. They're always yakking it up. Just having the best time. And when she lands the role of Serena Vanderwoodson, I mean, society changes immediately. 2009 is the year that this profile is set. And so much happened this year. We're in the second season of Gossip Girl, which the first season went insane. The bus ads, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. Where they took the reviews. They got scathing reviews in the beginning. It was like I don't sh- know if that's real. I think they fabricated those little quotes. Really? Where it's like every mother in America banned this show from television. 
I cannot confirm or deny it. I thought they were taken from real advanced reviews written on websites. Really? Because they were attributed to things. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and they basically took the most scathing parts of the reviews, put them on billboard ads with Blake Lively, like, making out with someone, all of them, like, rolling around in beds, and... Brilliant strategy. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And the show went insane. This year, also, Kanye interrupts Taylor Swift at the VMAs, which we've spoken about before. Hannah Montana movie comes out. (laughs) Glee, Modern Family, the year of the sitcom. Wow. I know. All 2009. And... The top baby names? Oh, so should we do this every time now? Top baby. I year? love top baby. Okay, top baby. And I found our old group chat. It was called Baby Judge Council. Baby Judge <laughs> Council. I looked it up after I said it. I, it is so bleak. It's Baby Judge Council. Baby Judge Council. Yes. Put that on your resume. <laughs> Creative director and founder. Co-founder. Co-founder. On the board. At <laughs> baby Judge Council. Oh, okay yeah good baby, good baby. it's that the last one that, one that i go sent that was a good a baby. baby yeah we <laughs> i need to resurrect this every, chat every now and again you should i wrote one titties and it's just a baby oh who's got like lots do of do not balls. show me this do not show me this i'm gonna forget everything i've prepared <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry okay go. titties that was true steph Curry's baby good yeah this is me just saying i'm it's for me it's mostly just the ones i like it seems to be yeah well you're very positive there i posted True Thompson. Oh no! I posted true. Why do you assume it's I, gonna be? Bad? Okay, I don't know. That I, was really revealing. Well, I think your response. Your response. No. Holding the mouth. You know, all signs of shame. She looks good here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Twenty twenty. So So bad. Anyway, carry on with top baby. Oh my god. Okay, I'm curious actually if you can guess. I think you could. Two thousand nine. Top baby names. Top baby names. To a girl and a boy. We were just talking about this particular pop culture moment. Honestly, this couple Taylor. days ago. It's it's in the family there. It's on a it's on a tangent. Uh it's a celebrity that we've referenced. Mm-hmm. Chloe. The names were Jacob and Isabella after the <gasps> series. No. Can you imagine? You're starting high school and you're in class with seven other Isabellas and you all have to look at each other and be like, our moms all read Twilight and all named us this this Whoa. year. Oh, holy shit. It can't be easy. That Cannot is be easy. so funny. No, yeah. What, did, what was I named after, mom? Oh, only this vampire romance franchise yeah. that took over the world. And I'm sure some of them are now Bellas. What are, you, what are your are top Izzy's. baby names? Oh, I've got mine. Do you really? Yeah. Wait, say yours. Oh, I think it is a Twilight baby name. Esmeralda. Oh is that the baby no, name? No, no, no. Oh, Renesmee. Renesmee. Imagine you say Renesmee. I, know, I was like, Renesmee. Straight ass face. Renesmee. Renesmee is my top name. I love Esmeralda. Esmeralda is so beautiful. I love Valentine for a boy. Oh my God. Okay, the boy names are what I struggle with the most because boy names are so tough. I know. I don't know. I like a violet. That's cute. Yeah. Yours are really good. I like yours a Thank lot. Thank you. I really, yeah, I really think about them. It's just names that I would like to be called, I think, fundamentally. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it starts here, doesn't it? Yeah, stage name. Wow. Yeah. And I like Beatrice. Like, I like my era of name. Yeah. That was very, like, 1920s. Yeah. Um, I'm named after my grandfather. Yeah, that's right. Even. He, he was even, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Wow. Yeah. They so just threw an A on there name. and just... What's a girl? <laughs> Bob's your uncle. Giles was supposed to be my boy's name. Do you remember me telling you that? Yeah. Terrible. G-I-L-E-S. Giles. That's tough. Oh, you cannot get through school with that name. That is tough. But, okay. okay to top the baby name. We go. Yes. So, top baby name. 
here we are, Blake Lively, Gossip Girl. And let me just start with the headline. Thin Vogue, 2009, Blake Lively, East Side Story. Great headline. Yeah, it is a great headline. Yeah, yeah. They don't do it short like that often. I know. It's like Blake Lively's great adventure into New York City, girl. Blake Lively (laughs) on fun, friends, and California living. Yeah. Which, like, that's all discussed here. (laughs) This is way more interesting. Written by Alessandra Stanley, who is a very famous journalist. She's co-founder of Airmail. Airmail. That's yes, how I've that's talked to her. her. Yep, that's yep, her. Yep, yep. And she did that alongside Graydon Carter, Vanity Fair's like most famous editor. I wonder how they're doing. I wonder too. Because they're newsletter-based newspaper. They're yeah. a newsletter-based publication. Yeah. Yeah. I know people are very loyal. To Airmail? Yeah. Mm. But she has written for everywhere she's great and this profile is just so fun we're gonna have fun today guys Yay. i'm telling you the fall it's here you're starting your gossip girl rewatch i'm about to start mine there's no better place to be in the world than new york in the fall i know it oh catfishes you for the entire year round no i try always to time my visits to october this is the first year i'm not going in october i always go i'm gonna miss sad it. sad for you i know and the profile opens on exactly that a fall day in manhattan so here we go i'm gonna read it out Manhattan is weathering stormy economic times, yet on Gossip Girl, the pretty young things are partying like it's, well, not 2009. Alessandra Stanley talks to Blake Lively about America's favorite fiction. This is so great because it fully sets the profile against the recession. Yes. Which we have never seen done. I know. To mention it, a young starlet. You're interviewing a young starlet and you're going to open on the recession. Yes. Which is such an interesting backdrop for Gossip Girl and makes all the sense in the world while we were obsessed with watching the uber elite oh my god they are nowhere near anyone's problems and no social media so it was like no. this was our only way in to like the interior of a jet it's so special and no one was more special it felt like than serena vander woodson who was the luckiest girl alive it felt like i really feel like that's her legacy all the other characters some actually fell in real ways, Chase Crawford's character, Nate actually at some point lost all of his family money and his dad became a coke addict and he was forced to deal with the real world again. But even the Humphreys were not really struggling. No. It was a competition between the haves and the haves, kind of. Have more. Have mores. Yeah. And I just feel like Serena Vanderwoodson was such an interesting character. And I thought that Blake brought a lot to the role. She did. I think they started to merge a little bit. Yes. Blake and Serena. Yeah. In a very fun way. Speaking of clothes in this piece, we'll get into it. But the profile opens on. The scene called for Serena Vanderwoodson to saunter down East 61st Street with sunny insouciance. But Blake Lively, who plays the heroine of Gossip Girl, was instead stooped and pale green with stomach flu. Shivering in the dark November rain, Lively stood as a makeup woman spritzed her cascade of blonde hair. Her teeth chattered as she wanely assured a concerned member of the crew, it's okay, I just need to go to the doctor. Then a production assistant plucked the oversized down coat from her shoulders and in black Marc Jacobs overcoat and a tessian teal suede boots, Lively sauntered, delivering a stream of sisterly advice to Serena's younger brother, Eric, without a stumble or a hitch. No surprise there. I know. She's a professional. She can pull it together. So second season of Gossip Girl, the world of New York is everyone's obsession. 
it's the private schools, it's the money, it's the clothes, the designers, the everything, just the decadence of it all. And no one did it like Gossip Girl. I'd be interested to know how much like New York tourism boosted, how many immigrants influx the city. It would be so fascinating to find out. I agree. And it just had such delightful tidbits. Like they always found a way to make it human because Gossip Girl was a soap, a teen soap, really, at at its heart. But it was also something else. It was kind of a a sitcom. I don't know. It was that magic CW touch, which is why we're obsessed with all of those shows so often, like so many years later. And this is why I think kicking off here at this point where she's sick and yet she still has to show up in her like haute couture clothes and like saunter down 61st street is so interesting because she goes on to say even though she truly needs to see a medical professional the cinematographer's misty romanticized frame makes her look like larger than life like she yes. has a rosy glow like everything about new york has a rosy glow through gossip girl's lens exactly and alessandra writes Whatever the meteorological or economic climate, like Serena, appear dazzling and worldly and optimistic, if indeed a bit preposterous. This is, after all, a series that presents high school swathed in all the perks of adulthood, sex, cash, alcohol, an adulthood stripped of financial cares or parental responsibilities. It's so true. Okay, something that I did not know were that the books were beloved. Yeah. The books were... Have you read them? Yeah. You've read them? I, I've read one. I oh, didn't, my God. I didn't like... I read it after oh. seeing okay. the show. And I didn't like it you as much. You didn't like it? No. Well, they were so different. They diverged so much from the characters really? and, the, and the plot points. Mm-hmm. So I, like, struggled more. But I think... And I, I'm sure this is brought up some point in this profile. The books were a much more dynamic portrayal of two teen girls. Blair and Serena... <laughs> were kind of trapped by their limbo between adulthood and teenageness. Like they just didn't have to uh, do anything that was remotely associated with teens. Whereas I think there was way more crossover in the books. And yeah, the, the two girls butted heads a lot more as far as I can remember. That makes sense. Also a show, it's very hard to show the inner workings of their mind. Yeah. A book, you can see the push and pull. In the show, you can kind of only just see them fighting. I remember Dan Humphrey being a lot less likable as well. Really? And he was truly my favorite. Like he was my favorite in, in the, the show. show. Yeah. He was so my type back then. Oh yeah. And now, Same, obviously. And now? No. Now who? Now. Of the three boys, Chuck, Nate, or Dan? I mean, I guess probably... Still Dan. Still Dan? Maybe Nate. Nate. Nate is mine. No, wait, yeah. Wait, no, you're right. No, it's Nate. It's Nate. I want a nice, simple life. And he's so <laughs> sensible. And he's so he chill. He also has a really strong sense of duty yes. and, like, rightness. He's always showing up for his family. He is. You know? Aww. When he becomes, like, a hooker for that moment in time, <laughs> just to, like, keep the family afloat. Oh, yeah. You're right. It's Nate for me. And he's just, he's just hot. Like, I don't yeah. think I thought, it's a very Stefan Damon of it all. Like, of course. I could never have seen a guy like Nate in my in high school. No. But like, I don't know, Penn Badgley felt like vaguely accessible. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I feel the same. We've had the same journey there. But they, those two boys, sorry, I should say Ed Westwick, Chuck and Nate, yeah. lived together when they first went to New York. And really? Yeah, they roomed. They got an apartment together because they couldn't afford to have their own place. Before they got cast on Gossip Girl no, or after? No, uh, as soon oh, as they got okay, cast, as as they, they yeah. moved to New York together and shared a room. And that, that wow. must have been debaucherous. 
Oh, I'm sure. Oh, God. And Ed Westwick, famously canceled and horrible. I don't know if he still is. He Didn't he rape someone? Well, there were two different women who came out and yeah. said something. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people, like he is just way too sticky to touch casting wise. Yeah. But there was some like weirdness surrounding it. It was just like one of those things where it's like, it was at the height of the Me Too movement and so many things were coming out about so many different men. And I think that in particular almost got a bit lost. No, I find out all the time about ones that got lost or even like agents in Hollywood where I'm, mm. I discovered this year. It was like, oh yeah, they were also canceled for yeah, did you hear? killing three women. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. I didn't hear. That's working though. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Always. Back to Gossip Girl. So it was this incredible moment, I feel like. And the brands were everywhere. The references were insane. It was smart. It was interesting. And it was also cheesy and perfect in that way. And it was definitely, I think, geared towards young people. But it was also something that I think adults could delight in at the time of airing. And... The writer describes it as one of the few places where snobbish sophistication and childish fantasy easily intersected. What I find also so interesting about this profile in particular is that you learn so little about Blake. Yeah. And that's why I'm so glad you gave like a, a, a short bio, a little rundown on her life, because this article is entirely about Gossip Girl and Blake's place within it. Yes, exactly. And her quotes, one of them, the ones like the most substantive maybe, is her talking about Gossip Girl and saying, they created a show that people can watch after a long day and not have to stress and worry and feel the burdens of real life, Lively said. It's just an escape, watching these sparkly lives and just escaping into this other world for an hour. Yeah, I love this part where Alessandra asked her if like Gossip Girl would reflect like the new economic times yeah. of just like a global recession. And she's like, no, we live in an alternate universe. Like yeah. it's heightened reality. There's just no way the writers would work that in. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. It wouldn't be the point of it. And I think a reason why it's so rewatchable now is that it lives in that alternative universe no matter what's happening in the world. True. I knew so many people who rewatched it during the pandemic. I'm watching it now. Of course. Oh, I'm going to watch it now along with Gilmore Girls. My, I my can't watch shows. Gilmore Girls again this year. I just can't. No, I it's okay. actually can't stomach Rory. And it's just getting too hard for me. I, this is the first time, actually, where I'm having a tough time with Yeah, her. with Rory. With the with pick Rory. me of it all. Lorelai, incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Rory, kind of a bad person. A bad person. And then to go through all that private school, everything, Ivy League education, and then just come out so mediocre. I, it hurt me. Yeah. yeah. This is a the, total waste of so many people's money and hopes. <laughs> and no gratitude, it seems like. No gratitude. No gratitude for it. No like, whoa, can you believe the opportunities I've had? No one has this. Can you believe how many like incredibly hot men have fallen at my feet that I have to choose between? I know. When I am like the least substantive person in the world. It's true. It's like you read a lot of books. So what? Yeah, so every... So oh my what? God. So what? You sit at the tree reading and you don't notice the football game going on next door. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of books, actually, this is a perfect segue because I was just about to talk about the books and the author, whose last name, Ziegsar. So the book. We can't get it as wrong I as know. we did Evgenia. Oh my God. Evgenia. Evgenia. I know. Tragedy. You from the Eastern 
European that's countries. how we would say it in Serbia like Evgenia Evgenia yeah you wouldn't use you don't make a G a Y no a G is a J a G is a J or like a, a Y is a J mm. so if it was if Evgenia then yeah 100% if it was a J I would know exactly what to do this is the writer of the Lindsay Lohan profile that I just like chronically it's mispronounced so, her name throughout so funny I say firmly. her name I so frequently <laughs> thousands of times I laugh by the end I was laughing every time you said it because I was like <gasps> Um, okay, so we're going to do it again with Cecily. <laughs> okay, perfect. So Cecily von... Von Zigeza. Wow. Von Zigeza. This is what we should have done with Evgenia. Yeah. <laughs> Evgenia. Von Zigeza. Okay, Cecily von Zigeza was the author of these books, and how they came to be was that she was an editor at a book packaging company, and there was an idea floated of, what if we made a line of fiction stories about private school kids in New York? She had gone to a private school in New York and she was just kind of like, yeah, I'll do that. So she invented Constance Billiard School for Girls. The characters came right away, Von Zigeser says over lunch at Fred's and Barney's. Very chic. Yeah, so chic. A crowded watering hole for the blonde, slim, and soigné. What does soigné mean? Dressed very elegantly. Oh, well-groomed, yeah. We should put that into our next story. Yeah, we should. Here we are. We should just Increasing describe our ourselves that way. Soigné. Yeah. Exactly. Use three words. Okay, a watering hole for the blonde, slim, and soigné, where Von Ziegazer, who is blonde, slim, and soigné, fits right in. It flooded out of me. I always wanted to write, but I never thought I'd be writing for teenagers. This I found fascinating. Yeah, tell me. Janet Malcolm, who is one of my favorite writers, longtime New Yorker reporter, incredible. Her book, 41 False Starts, is something I come back to again and again, like one of the best books about journalism. And she reviewed Gossip Girl in The New Yorker and was basically like, it's a smash. It's incredible. These books are a revelation. Zegazer writes in a language of the contemporary youth. Things are cool or hot or they totally suck. But the language is a decoy. The heartlessness of youth is Von Ziegazer's double-edged theme, the object of her mockery and sympathy. She understands that children are pleasure-seeking species and that adolescence is a delicious last gasp, the light is most golden just before the shadow falls, of rightful selfishness and cluelessness. Isn't that absolutely stunning? Oh my God. Aren't we always trying to write stuff like that? Yes. So that's Janet Malcolm on the Gossip Girl book series. That quote, the light is most golden before the shadow falls, scares me. Yeah. Because it's like, doesn't that make you feel like everyone's like at their most beautiful and then they go down? I mean, that's what you said of Kira Knightley, but minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other fun fact about Janet Malcolm is that she fled a Nazi occupied Prague. And like got away and started a new life. Whoa. Can you believe? Yeah. She's incredible. So she loves it. We love it. And honestly, that inspired me to order it. I'm going to read this book. I'm sure I feel like I'll come up with a similar conclusion to you of, ah, there's, you know. No, I think you should read it like with a vast separation from the show. Like I think before the rewatch. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think I read it as a teen and I was just obsessed with the show. Of course. Oh, no. Yeah. So in the Vogue profile, she brings up Janet Malcolm as one of the most discerning arbiters of culture of our time. She argued that the television adaptation doesn't hold a candle to the sly truthfulness of Von Ziegazer's literary oeuvre. Wow. Here we are. But Von Ziegazer doesn't mind the adaptation. I still like it, she says. I watch it every week. (laughs) A humble queen. I know. Incredible. She's like, ah, it's good enough. And then they talk about the clothes. Lively says... 
The fashion is just unbelievable. You can watch our show on mute and be entertained. Yeah, and no one, I think, comes close. I mean, we should have had Tyler McCall on this episode, who was like oh, a gossip girl, like historian, right. for sure. Former editor-in-chief of Fashionista and now a freelancer and has a book coming out on Gossip Girl. But she, Eric. Damon. The, yeah, D- D- Damon, the costume designer of, of Gossip Girl quite frequently. And like, he is the lifeblood and the beating heart of those looks. And they were insane i don't know if you've seen recently that blake lively's one plait went viral recently like one sole braid half her hair was braided and the other half was loose fabulous and everyone's like what is going on like that just insane like for a black tie event of course of course (laughs) no they pushed the envelope like what you were saying of unexpected choices yes and really respecting that they were never playing it safe single-handedly responsible for colored tights i had red Color tight, blue color tights. Yeah. I had red. I had my most, and for sure, inspired by the show. I had a magenta and green plaid <laughs> patterned set of tights. Wow. It's a bold choice. Horrible. Horrible. I mean, without Gossip Girl, we would never have, Dad. I know. I just want to go to fashion school, Dad. I'm not your little girl anymore. She reset the culture. Taylor <laughs> Momsen did. She did. The black eyeliner. I know. I tried it once to see what it was like raccoon eye no you didn't i don't believe you i did for a party in ninth grade i actually wore a taylor momsen outfit i wore a long forever 21 tank top that was ripped Mm. with tiny booty shorts underneath that you couldn't really see over the tank top and then i coated my eye with eyeliner in the waterline all over and i just tried it out for a night but it didn't stick it wasn't me it's not me look at me You've told me that your eyeliner has been applied and I simply cannot see it. I know. I need a telescope to see that. (laughs) (laughs) All trauma from that night. (laughs) Big night. So it also comes to light that Lively and Serena share a lot of fashion sensibilities. And actually, at one point, Lively arrived on set wearing what they had scheduled for Serena to wear that day. So crazy. She'd like bought like a vest by herself and then showed up and they had bought that vest for her character to wear. Yeah. That's nuts. I know. I know. So the fashion was big. It really tickled Blake and she kind of clearly had an evolution of her own style through Serena, which how could you not? I mean, I just think of Carrie Bradshaw's wardrobe and how incredible it must have been. And now indistinguishable from Sarah Jessica Parker's wardrobe. Like they are one and the same. Exactly. And they had the same evolution, it feels like, with Blake and Eric and Sarah Jessica and Patricia Field, where it became a collaboration towards the end, where at the beginning, it was sort of like the costume designer was like, you're going to wear this. And then towards the end, it was like, I know what I'm doing. And how rarely do we know a costume designer's name? Yeah. Like off by heart. I don't know the directors of Gossip Girl, but I remember Eric Damon. Of course. It's crazy. How could you forget? And then Blake sort of talks about her style growing up, which she refers to as California fashion. Where is she from? Tarzana. Oh, LA. Yeah, yeah. LA. Yeah, and uh, sweatpants and Uggs were sort of the uniform at that point, which I can attest to having grown up in California as well around this time. Uh, But as a kid, her mom, who was a model, used to sew and make clothes and take her to vintage stores and tailor clothes to her, an alterations man Blake had for sure. And so she was in kind of funky, cool clothes that were different. And when she went to private school in L.A., it was the first and only time in her life she felt like she didn't fit in. She's quoted as saying, it was the only school where people were just downright mean to me, she recalls. They would make fun of my clothes because I 
dress differently than the other kids. That said, I do need to bring up the fact that Blake Lively was, <laughs> no surprise here, like the most popular girl in high school. She was on the cheerleading team. She was class president. She did everything. Have you seen her prom photos? No. You should see. Are they good? I'm going to look them up on live. Yeah. Live look reaction. Look them up live. Lively prom. It's a very straightened side bang. But oh. she is so beautiful. Oh my. And the t- little tiara. The little mini tiara. I know. Football player boyfriend. Yeah. Fabulous. Of course, she was a cheerleader. Yeah. So I think that she's lived a great life. And I don't know why those kids in second grade made fun of her. But I think they're all biting their tongues now. Oh, for sure. And then... We sort of get to the end of the profile. We talk about her. so quick. I know, it's really quick. But I have to say, I love the last paragraph and I hope you'll let me read it. Please. Von Gazer says, the whole premise of Gossip Girl is to get inside the heads of girls who are considered mean girls and show that they're real and have flaws and they're not so mean and they're not so scary. Nothing is scary in Serena's world. Alessandro writes, not the bad boys, backstabbing friends, bombshell revelations, or indeed the bear market. The sex is sarcastic, the sarcasm sexy, and most of all, it's ultimately as serenely confident as Serena in the rain. And maybe that's why everyone is watching. True. Tied it all up with a little bow there. Because it's so quick. It's got to be like, what, 800, 900 words? Yeah. One of the shortest profiles I think we've ever done. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It felt like what was most important here is the era and this star that's come back in the public eye in such a big way all of a sudden. And I'm interested with the timing, the fact that there was such economic strife at this point yeah. and such a glitzy, glamorous show that people didn't kind of boycott it as being a really fake depiction of the world. Like people really just took it at face value and was like, that, this is fun and we're going to buy in. I think it's the same reason people watch Succession now. Watching Succession through the pandemic, through one of the biggest recessions of our time outside of the 2008 market crash, it's sort of doing a same, like a very similar thing. Yeah, they talk casually about two bill. Yachts, seeing these insanely wealthy people and their problems is and, entertaining. And behave badly. I think yes. that's a theme that we just keep coming back to. No one can just sit back and be happy with their money. No. That's the thing is they're miserable too. Yeah. They may not be miserable because they're having trouble putting food on the table, but they're miserable because they don't have relationships with their parents and everything is still wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is falling apart. Yeah. And in this like world of Gossip Girl, there are so many real, real problems. I mean, you brought up Nate's dad with the coke addiction and yeah, I mean, Chuck and his abandonment issues come in hot throughout the whole show. Blair's eating disorder. Yeah, her bulimia. Mm-hmm. When I was 14 and watching the show, I didn't get that. Aww. I didn't understand what the problem was and all the references to pie. And when she was like binging food, yeah. I think because I had no food issues, I was yeah. like, she's just having a delicious dessert. Oh, I remember watching it at a time where all of my friends had eating disorders. Okay. I, yeah. We were in a different, <laughs> we oh were in a different like, state of the world. A good percentage of my friends were all bulimic. And I remember watching Blair and being like, oh my God, it's everybody. But you, you're two years younger than me. You must have been like 12. Yeah. And they were bulimic. Well, I always had older friends also. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they were maybe 14. Yeah. But it was so sad. It was so brutal. You always talk about growing up really fast. I think that was the most unrealistic component to me about the show, watching it when I was adolescent. You know, I was like, I can't believe that they are running around and having sex and like drinking 24-7 and 
you know, buying shares in clubs, like when it comes to Chuck Bass. But you have kind of taught me that that is not that far from the truth or like your truth, like living in Orange County. I mean, it definitely also was because I ran with bad crowds. (laughs) Right. And so I saw people that were more far gone than me, but it, it was very chic to act like a woman when you were 15, a fully grown woman. Mm -hmm. The only reason they were able to do what they did was because they had money. So true. They have cars, they have access, they have alcohol, their parents own buildings, they can do, they can travel, they can do whatever they want. And And that was not mine. Yeah. And the parents are totally gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that wasn't the deal in Orange County. Even, even the good parents I found, like at the start of season two, Rufus goes on tour Mm -hmm. and leaves Jenny and Dan, who are 17 and what, 15 at the time. Yeah. Like pretty much alone. I think their mother comes to visit them, but like he's the primary caregiver and he's just off. And he was the beacon of good parenting. Oh, yeah. I also think that this is a city kids thing. It's like Julia Fox talking about clubbing when she was 13 and how at the point that she's in high school, she'd already done that all and lived it all and ran the streets of New York by herself. So I feel like really the people who resonate with this in a real way, even if they didn't come from uber wealth, are people that grew up in cities in New York and had to just do things on their own. That is the key plot point. Serena is escaping her bad girl past. And I'm like, but that would have been 14, 14 to 15. Yeah. Yeah. But I do know, cause I've talked to some people who went to boarding school in Switzerland and the things that went on there, like people who grew up wealthy did sort of the things that Serena has done in life. Age 14, wild things were happening. Just like sex, drugs. Yeah. Like cocaine. Yeah, which yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone in my high school knew how to get their hands on for sure at all. Was there an element of mystique in your high school about drugs and stuff like that? Like, did, was that already in part of the conversation? Or was it entirely drinking? It was weed mostly. Yeah, California high school, so it was mostly weed. That was it. But there Same was for us. Yeah, there was really nothing, nothing going on outside of that. Yeah. Why do you think this show persists in pop culture? I think much like the OC, and obviously it was created by the same guy, Josh Watts, we love to see the inner workings of of rich people. I think the clothes play a big part. Yeah. The family dynamics, people want to see these families succeed. They love an outsider looking in, which is Dan Humphrey and then and Ryan and the OC. You know, we love to be taken into that world. But I think they persist because... We're obsessed with accruing wealth. We're obsessed with living the lifestyles that these people have. That's totally aspirational. And to learn that it's not all so rosy on the inside is a relief. It's like freedom. Otherwise, what do we have? All we do is like desire, desire, desire. And ultimately like that is not bringing anyone any joy. It's just full comparison mode all the time. And like to know, yeah, that they're not necessarily happy or they do they are flawed or they do have problems is i think yeah it's a release and what's so interesting about gossip girl and succession is we are not following someone as they build an empire we are following the children who have inherited wealth yes so it's sort of all the privilege without any of the struggle or the agency behind i'm gonna start a major corporation and provide for my family these are just the people that money has been sprinkled down on and we watch them flounder which leaves them totally free of responsibility yeah it doesn't make any sense we're not really aspiring to their lives because 
we would be aspiring to give those lives to our kids. Yeah. Technically, if you're going by logic. The only tie to real life teen existence, I think that applies to both the OC and Gossip Girl is this overhanging, like omnipresent college admission. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing that they can all relate to. It's like trying to get into a good school and the expectations of their parents, other than, I guess, the relationships at some point or whatever, maybe yeah. an internship here and there. No, it's so true that, and I mean, we talked about Gilmore Girls earlier, but that's the whole- That's the whole show. That's the engine of the show. Yeah. Getting Rory into Harvard. Yeah. Which turns into, into Yale. Yale. Yeah, and for sure. All of that is so aspirational too. Yeah. And it was, I think, back then, like pre-recession, pre-tech, pre-internet, the only way to be successful and have money was to follow the traditional route of going to these very elite private schools, getting into a great college, making lifelong connections and setting yourself up. And now it's like, obviously, we've subverted that. I mean, the number one career that kids aspire to is influencing now. I know. So it's like, we're in a very different world. But your prime years are like 18 to 21. So it's like, you're going to waste those years in college. Yeah. (laughs) So you're an athlete. Alex Earl did it somehow, college and influencing. But that was like a part of it. No, I think that she made college influencing. Like that's someone who built into a brand. Yeah. It just will persist, I think. I think so, too. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. It remains. It remains. I know. I think it'll always be endlessly fascinating to us. And now it's sort of a, a snapshot of yeah. culture. This was also a time where there were so many high school dramas on television. I, how could you choose? Vampire Diaries, <laughs> these kids stayed like... 17 for years <laughs> i know like they were juniors in high school for literally three seasons yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you could feel like the stress and the anxiety of the writer's room when they knew they had to age the kids at some point but did not know how to do it like, and like how will they all go to college and yeah like, how will we follow them through it didn't you find that like a high school graduation episode on with every single show like gossip girl vampire diaries you whatever felt very strange yes. and like so somber truly two days ago watched rory's high school graduation episode where she gives the speech and thanks lorelei and i cried and i think that's why yeah it's like it feels like something's really ending life is changing whereas for everyone else high school graduation is like let's fucking go like <laughs> and also you're like not really even present you're just thinking, yeah it's sort of like really liminal space where it's like i'm not even here right now i'm already thinking of the next thing yeah for sure you're like, this is just a perfunctory like, yeah. performance to get through. My, I've been mentally checked out for months. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings us back to where we began this conversation. The wow. very top. The very top? The very top. How we begin this conversation. Life. Oh, your clarity. Your yeah. sense of clarity. And life changing. The season's changing. The season's changing. We always find a way to make this so unnecessarily profound when it really doesn't need to it be. It doesn't need it to can be. Just it's be not that so serious. Light. It's not that deep. Blake's having fun. Blake's never had a bad day. No. No. And now we're implementing our new scale. Oh, yeah. Which is... How much do you want to get to know this person? Yeah, how much end? would you want to hang out with them? A lot. Yeah, I know, but it needs to be some sort of like... Uh, Oh, maybe what it could be is what is your activity of choice with them? It's like, do you want to spend a whole day with them or do you want to have dinner with them? That's so or a drink. good. Yes. Like a coffee, a drink. Yeah. Because yeah. I think on the spectrum, there are people, you know, a beer with Chris Evans. And I feel like that'd be quite enough. Yeah. Right, right, right. You? What are you feeling? With, with Blake? Blake Lively? Yeah. I want a girl's night, knee to knee on a couch, apple ciders bubbling on the on the stove. I'd love some advice yeah. from her. I feel like she would really give it. What about you? 
Yeah, no, I I agree. I think a week long vacation to just really get to know her. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) But I also think like maybe there's not much there like adversity wise i think class president prom queen all the things marrying the the beautiful guy having the 2.5 children living this beautiful life in new york taylor swift your best friend it's like well you know what's there to really dive into it's sort of eerie that her breakout was serena Vanderwoodson because she is serena it's like luckiest girl in the world <laughs> luckiest girl in the world for and that sure. hair yeah the hair is really what and that's from birth yeah or is it extensions did you see recently that Miley Cyrus came out to talk about all the extensions she had in the movie, The Last Song? No. Which haunted me because that was another hair envy moment. I remember seeing her hair in that and being like, fuck. Her and Liam falling in love on that set. Last song. This was what I wanted desperately. More than Blake. I couldn't have Blake. I was never going to be a flaxen blonde beauty. Oh, this is this feels like attainable for you. Uh, well, now my hair is the longest it's ever been. But for most of my life, my hair was at my chin. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I feel like this is doable. Yeah, I'm close. I'm close. But she wore so many extensions, you're saying? Yeah, she said 250 individual extensions. (gasps) Stop. Yeah, can you believe? That is brutal. I know. Wow. We should get extensions. Yeah, I I have them. You have them? No, I don't have like... Oh, (laughs) I have some clip-ins that I might wear for the wedding, honestly. But it doesn't make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And it does make your hair so heavy. Like the pain is real. (gasps) I'm excited to see you at all the weddings. The one... Your black dress is so beautiful. I better take some photos. I gotta take some photos. You gotta. I know. I made a mistake. That's the hardest part. I didn't take any at the one that I went to and then you were like, best you've ever looked. The the blurry three that we got were all we got. Oh, yeah. You looked so good at that one. I know. I, I, I know i know i had an incredible i got an incredible blowout it's three days old which is the perfect time for me where it starts to curl up a little bit mm. looks like i just got out of bed the fact that your blowout can last that long is so sick oh i'm vigilant i sleep with i sleep in a silk cap oh you do yeah, yeah. i'm like well it's something like that i know my blowout looks best like at day three so i'll sleep with a silk cap and i'll do dry shampoo preserve preserve preserve, preserve. it's all about preservation wow yeah smart very very smart yeah well well what a good place to leave it honestly i know in a silk cap perfect just like serena would be exactly because in a little silk pillowcase in an upper east side apartment <sighs> she's got laughing amaz- at all of us i know <laughs> laughing 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 she's got an amazing head of hair to protect and uh it's been great to see you i know <laughs> such a fun one today i know such i feel really one. light i Me feel too. as light as serena walking down 61st street i do too i do too well take that with you today i'll go <laughs> love you i'll go bye bye